You're listening to the Max Level Podcast for January 29th, 2018. For the definitive version of the show, be sure to listen through either iTunes or Google Play using your favorite podcast app of choice. On with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Max Level, a video game podcast found on Level Down Games that uploads every Monday. I'm Brian, joined as always by the self-proclaimed king of Long Island, Frank. Guten Tag, everybody. Special mention to the wonderful Mr. Miracle of Sound himself, Gavin Dunn, which is where our theme music for Max Level comes from each and every week. Before we get into the episode, we want to let you know the following is brought to you by Technisport Gaming Chairs. Are you in need of a new chair for your office, studio, or gaming space? Me too. Technisport is one of the leading manufacturers for gaming-related chairs. In fact, scholars have long debated the origins of the Pro Gamer series. The most common theory is that a mad scientist created the first prototype by crossing a racing car with the Lazy Boy. However, gamers claim to have known these creatures for thousands of years, and some streamers insist that they have always existed right here in cyberspace. Go to technisportusa.com and use the offer code LDG. Stands for Level Down Games. Offer code LDG to save 10% when making a purchase. If you're interested in helping us out here at Level Down Games, all of our affiliate links can also be found in the YouTube description box on all of our videos and in the descriptions for our podcasts on podcast services. We've got Technisport Gaming Chairs, Amazon, Origin PC, and Razer. Thanks in advance for all of the support. All right, man, let's kick the show off the same way we always do, and that's with a recap of what we've been playing over the past seven days. I, myself, I have two games, but I played the crap out of these two games. What do you got? All right, uh, so I only played three games. Okay, you beat me. There you go. Um, I played Cuphead. Nice, you finally finally played Cuphead. Finally got to play Cuphead. Uh, nice. my, friend's, my friend has an Xbox One, so. Yeah. Uh, last time you and I actually talked off the air, I hadn't been, I just recently beat the game. Yes, yeah, because we, we recorded a special bonus episode of BG Mania, which I actually just uploaded yesterday. If you want to check that out, go look for it. If you don't currently currently subscribe to it, search Level Down Games or search BG, BG Mania on any, you know, iTunes or Google app or Google Play podcast of app of choice and you'll find it uh we just uploaded the episode for cuphead yesterday 20 songs great soundtrack yeah, great soundtrack um so yeah I, I i beat it actually um got both endings because i played it for both endings okay cool cool uh super fun what a great idea for a game and like I said, the, the art's there the music's on point mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, it's not an easy game no, in fact, uh, after beating it, it unlocked a harder difficulty, and I kind of want to go back. I want to. I want to go back and try it on that. Mm-hmm. I can. I can only imagine the level of mayhem that's going to be thrown at me. Right. Well, because I mean, the platforming stages themselves are not that difficult. They're they're, yeah. they're pretty cut and dry. I mean, you kind of do a few things here and there, but for the most part, they're pretty easy to get through. It's the bosses that are extremely difficult because oh, yeah. there's so much stuff going on. I mean, you know, there's uh, uh, there's, a, there's a there's a fight with a wrecking ball. <laughs> yes, the queen does turn to a wrecking ball. Uh, but yeah, like, like all the bosses, they're not just a straight up boss fight. There's different forms along the way, right. and some, some of them have five forms, which is insane. And there's a lot going on on the screen, so you, and the music is awesome. So you're getting distracted. So it's one of those things you really gotta 
apply yourself. So you got to. Right. But I did it. It was hard, but I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, like I mentioned it before when I, when I talked about it on max level, you know, me getting through the game uh, was, was definitely a challenge when I played through it uh, several weeks or actually it might've been several months by now. Uh, I forget exactly when I played it, but I do remember talking about it. Um, it was difficult for me and I just, I played on the standard difficulty and it was, it was challenging, like super challenging, but I like that. I like that. They actually made it difficult. Uh, exactly. No, it's, I just, I would love a sequel. Yeah. And I, and I think we will get one. I, I, mean, sure. I, I think it makes sense. It, it definitely makes sense to do a sequel. Um, I, I, I hope they stick with the state with the same art style, like the 1930s Disney cartoon esque type of style. But I, I honestly wouldn't be opposed to them maybe doing something like a 1940s or a 1950s Looney Tunes. Like a Looney Tunes, so like maybe a slight advancement with with how things looked. But it would be like, you know, like typical Looney Tunes style instead of the 1930s Disney Steamboat Willie type stuff. Um, I think that would be cool if they if they if they explored the history of cartoons through video games with Cuphead. That would be kind of interesting. That'd be cool because once you get to like the, the Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes did a lot of like uh, like orchestrated music, and they did a lot right. of symphonies, and right. that's, that's how I that's how I know a lot of classical music because yeah, thanks thanks to cartoons. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Uh, my other my next game I played uh, is a game I mentioned quite a bit in the past, but I finally got around to beating. Okay. I beat Sun. I beat Sundered. Oh, it's been a long time since you've talked about Sundered. It has been a minute. Uh, I, I have that very Italian disease. Uh, it's called Funzolo. Yeah, so, you, uh, you mentioned that before. That's, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, that is something that's uh, currently running wild here at Level Down Games. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was like, <laughs> you know what? Let's, let's play the games that I actually have. And I was like, I haven't beaten Sundered yet. So let's, let's sit myself down. Right. It was nigh impossible to play when I first jumped into it because I couldn't remember exactly everything I was doing. Mm-hmm. I hate that. That's why I hate stopping games for like months. You, on you end know it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so bad and so hard to get back into them. Hordes of enemies coming at you, and like I said, I've said it a thousand times before. It's a pretty game, so no, I want right, to take it. Right. It was. Uh, I mean, I, I played it shortly after it first came out, right around the same time you first started playing it. I haven't went back to it since, though. I need to get back to it eventually too. But I only had three bosses left to go, so I was oh, like, "Wow, you made it far." I did. So I was like, "I'm gonna plow through this," and I did, and I did, and I. I the final boss, I don't even want to spoil it for you, even though the game's has been a while. I don't want to spoil it for you, Brian, because sure, it's amazing. Sure. Like, yeah, I'll get there. Uh, but now I have to do a second playthrough because there's two different paths you can take, the good path and the bad path. Oh, is there? Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and I took the uh, the path of evil. Mm-hmm. Next time I want to take the path of good. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you are typically evil, so, I mean, it makes sense. It's always the most fun way to play a game, to be honest. Is is to go evil first. I know, and I, I, I and I say that not in in you you the person being evil. I mean that the way you play games, you yeah. always tend to go evil. That's just how you I do usually, it. And I, I tend and I tend to go good. <laughs> I, I usually play a game like that, like even like a Fallout. Yeah. Or or Skyrim. I'll, I'll do my evil path first. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I always have more fun just being a jerk, and then at least you know the second time around. Being like, being a jerk is what you're good at in real life. Not being evil though. Podcast over. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah, I, I still highly recommend this game. You can mm-hmm. pick that up on the uh, the shop. Yeah. But uh, my final game, Brian's going to just make fun of me again. Here we go. I played WWE Frank, 2K. Frank, WWE 2K. Same game as always, every single week. <laughs> I'm so hyped that the... Of course. The, I know, the, the I know why you coming up. I know why you So I was like, I'm going to run some simulations. I'm going to play this game. 
Uh, I even created uh, Brian and myself in the game with stats comparable to Triple H because we're, we're, we're that good. Uh, Especially me. We still, we still didn't win the Rumble. Um, but it was fun. I, I actually enjoyed myself. Uh, right. I, I, have all, I have all the DLC. Uh, I, I definitely hit Brian with some sweet chin music quite a few times. <laughs> i like to see you do that in real life, buddy. Next time we meet. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to drop to your knees, Colin, and get my head. My <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then I have to wear my Chuck Norris action sweatpants. But, uh, there you go. We, we, but yeah, hopefully, I'll, I'll, hopefully those turn you into Chuck Norris himself, itself, because uh, that's the only way you'd be able to do it. Come on, Brian. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm awesome. Uh, but yeah, other that, Sunder took up a good chunk of my time. I also, I, I, we have been playing. I like, I like to plug it every week. Yeah, of course. Uh, we were playing Final Fantasy IV. Yep. Um, revisiting the classics, our show we do. Well, you listen, give that a listen. Goes up every Saturday. Yeah, we just we just uploaded part one of our Final Fantasy IV discussion this past Saturday. Uh, it was about forty minutes worth of forty minutes forty minutes for our initial ten hours. So that's kind of yeah. funny. We 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 can still we can still we could talk forever, man. We really can. But uh, even even though we only played 10, 10 hours of the game, we still were able to manage forty minutes. Even though with like Final Fantasy one, two, and three, the entire game was about forty minutes. So uh, just just shows that we can, just shows that we can hit a time frame if we, if needed. There's <laughs> a lot more going on Final Fantasy four too. Of course, of course. Um, and and but that's before I mean, totally played though. That's... Yeah, that's fine. Um, I also have been playing a lot of Final Fantasy four, so. But we don't, again, we don't talk about that here. Check out Revisiting the Classics. Uh, I, I've made it a little bit further than where we last were, but not much. But I definitely will get um, – I'm, I'm going to try to get quite a bit further before we record again for, for part two of Final Fantasy. Ditto. Um, the main game I played this week, I put a lot of time into Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So I had mentioned last week on Max Level that uh, I was going to play Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth 2. And I did. That's my second game I played this week. But I, I'm, I'm starting with Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because it's the one I put the most time in. Uh, I finished it. I finally finished Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I'm, I'm in the process of typing up my, my thoughts and impressions for a review. Um, you know, I just want to get it out, get it done, get it on the website because it's been... You know, it's it's almost been two months now since the game launched. But I put 73 hours into the game. And that that's honestly, dude, I was expecting to put more and I could have I could have easily as I told you this when I finished it, I could have easily squeezed probably an extra 10 or 15 hours out of this game had I chose to do all of the side quests. I didn't. Um, a lot of the side quests in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 are fetch questy in nature where, you know, go go find 10 flowers, go find 10 pieces of wood, go find whatever, you know, rock salt or Go kill five things. Go kill ten things. I don't like those types of quests in in traditional JRPGs. I like those types of quests in MMOs because I can do those while going from one place to another. Um, I I do accept every like I did accept every single side quest I came across in Xenoblade Chronicles two, and I read I read the quest and I went through and seen what I had to do for each one because it tells you what you have to do in the actual text of the quest. If it was a fetch quest, I would not go out of my way to do it. I if I was out in the field and something attacked me and I killed it and it was a, something that I had to kill for a side quest, well then I let it count. Obviously, I, you know if if I yeah. completed side quests that way or a fetch quest side quest that way, then I turned it in. 
But the ones that I actually went out and physically went out of my way, enabled those as my active quest instead of the main story quest, those were the ones that seemed really fun to me, like the ones that actually had story elements involved. Like, you know, oh, so-and-so, you know, disappeared. We got to find them. Or, hey, there's been a murder. Let's see if we can solve it. Like those types of side quests, I actually went out of my way to do because those ones are fun. Those ones actually have an impact on the story and give you more lore to what's going on and more background to the story as opposed to just go kill five boars. So I, I, di- I didn't want to do those ones. Um, dude, I, I am so I, I'm mixed here with this because at, at one point or on one side, I'm extremely happy that I'm finished with the game. On the other side, I'm emotionally distraught that I finished the game because I was so emotionally invested in this game. I, I mean, I love the characters. I absolutely love uh, I'm, I'm obviously not talking spoiler elements here because I know you're going to play this game at some point. And I know a lot of people that are listening probably haven't had the chance to finish Xenoblade Chronicles 2 yet just because it is a lengthy JRPG and not everyone is spending, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours in a single week playing games like like I do. So um, I'm, I'm not I'm avoid I'm avoiding what actually happens in a lot of things that uh, are, are paramount to the story here. But what a beautiful ending. And that's all I can say about it is just what a beautiful ending. I was so happy with, with what they did. And I had I remember last week I had talked about it, I was kind of concerned with, with where the ending could possibly go based on some of the things that were happening. And s- some things that uh, – so there, there were some questionable things that happened. But I think when all is said and done, the ending was extremely beautiful. And obviously you should always watch the credits – in any, in any game, especially a story-driven game like this, you should always watch credits. You should always wait to see if there's an after scene, just like for Marvel movies or, or any, yeah. any Like, you should always wait to see the stinger because there's always usually a stinger, and there was, and that's what made the ending so beautiful. But um, soundtrack is so amazing. That's, we're actually doing it for our bonus episode in February for BG Mania. We're going to be taking a look at the soundtrack as Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I'm so excited for you to to hear the soundtrack. There's actually I have a track I have a track picked for BG Mania this Wednesday, um, and it's one of the one, main ones I wanted you to hear. So I, I'm just you're gonna love this soundtrack, and, and I know you've already heard a few things from it, but I've heard two, but I can't wait. You it's know. so good, it's so good. But uh, the combat was so fun in Xenoblade Chronicles too. Um, once you get that, once you get past the mechanics, once you get you know, the hundreds of mechanics that you have to remember here in this game. Once you get past all that, it becomes second nature for the most part. Don't stop playing it like I did. As we just talked about when you picked Sundered back up, uh, it was hard to get back into. It was hard to remember exactly everything that I was doing. But uh, once I got back into the swing of things, and, and thank God when I when I stopped playing it, uh, right when Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus came out, I was already in Chapter 4, so a good chunk of the mechanics were already out of the way. So... I, over the last week and a half, I powered through six chapters, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Um, you know, I, I was at, I think, 35 hours when I stopped when Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus came out. So I put about 35, 38 more into the game over the past week and a half. Not too bad. Uh, I, not I, too shabby my, at all. Yeah, I mean, I was every, it was, that, that's what I had been doing every single day. Uh, I would wake up, I would eat. I would get a few things done for the website and editing for, for the podcast and videos. And then I would play Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for seven, eight hours a day. And this is what I was doing. And I loved every single minute of it. And I, I, like I said, I I have taken the, the cartridge out of the Switch now. I, I officially put it on the shelf. But I will put it back in. It will in. never get played again. Bullcrap. Because there is a story <laughs> DLC coming out later in 2018. Uh, Monolith Soft is working on DLC much in the same way that Nintendo did the Champions Ballad for Breath of the Wild, which I need to get back to now. 
and Super Mario Odyssey as well. But uh, Monolith Soft is going to release a hefty story content update later in the year as part of the expansion pass. I have not yet purchased that expansion pass in the same way that I did for Breath of the Wild. I'll buy the expansion pass when the story content comes out because that's what I want to buy it for and that's what I want to play. Um, so I'm happy. I'm done. I look for my review coming up on leveldowngames.com here shortly. Uh, the second game I played, I already mentioned it. I did finally get a chance to jump into Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth 2 Hacker's Memory. Uh, about 10 hours in. So... That, that's just from yesterday and a little bit of this morning. So, well, And we obviously we record on Saturday, so I'm talking Friday and Saturday. Love it. Picked right back up where the, where the first game theoretically left off. Um, and as we had mentioned when we watched one of the trailers recently on Game Oracles, I was happy to see that a lot of the same characters are returning. They're not, you, you know, that's not who you're playing as this time, but those characters are there. They exist in this world. You will see them. You do interact with them in the story. They do play an important role. Uh, what I thought was cool, when you start the game... It, it, it obviously knows if you've played the first game. So it says, oh, oh we, okay. we see you have a save from Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Would you like to import your stuff? And I said, well, yeah, sure. So I started out the game. I have access to all of the, like, all of the Digimon. Not I don't have access to the Digimon I had that were playable to me, but everything that I had scanned in the first game and all of the Digimon that I had, you know, uncovered, I can actually see in my in my journal. So those are there. I got a few bonus perks for actually loading my save. And what's cool is that the playtime starts right where you left off. So when I finished Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, I was at 68 hours. So so now I'm at 78 hours because I, you know, oh, I'm still cool. working the second game. So it's like one big continuation. Um, well, like it, you, you, weren't, you weren't able to bring your Charizard over, though? No, no, because Charizard doesn't exist in this world. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I did pick uh, Gatsumon as my fir- as my starting Digimon. Is that the little time. T-Rex? Uh, he's a rock. He's, oh. the, he's the one that's a little rock character. Uh, but he, he eventually transforms into Goldemon, uh, which is a pretty powerful mid-level uh, Digimon. So I, I, I went with him just because uh, because it, it, it makes the game easier, to be honest. And, and I'm all about that. So, <laughs> um, Digimon, obviously, it's, it's another game that I've been extremely excited to play. Um, can't wait. Uh, there's, I think, 19 chapters in this game. But, I mean, there's these chapters aren't lengthy by any means. I, like I, said, I think I'm already on chapter four or five, and I'm, I'm 10 hours in. Uh, I, I imagine that this game will be closer to the 60-hour mark, just like the first one was. Uh, hopefully, I'll get it done within a week, because there are some big things coming over the next several weeks that I'm extremely excited about. Um, the, dude, the the alpha just started up for the World of Warcraft expansion, Battle for Azeroth. Uh, uh-oh. Um, I'm about to lose Brian. I'm not in the alpha. I have n- I've never got access to an alpha. But if, if Blizzard wants to give me access to the alpha, I will play it every waking day. <laughs> um, and, and, and there are some other big things coming up here in, in February, too. Um some of them that we have here to talk about during our, our news report. So I, I got to get this one done. I got to get this one out of the way, get the review done, get the, get it up on leveldowngames.com, get it up on our YouTube channel, because there's, there's some big stuff coming in February as always, as there always is every single February. February is usually a big one. Yeah. But uh, it, I don't, I don't think February this year is as big as it was last year, but in, in terms of, you know, horizon zero dawn launched in February last year, but um, I don't think anything's on that level, but there are still some great things coming and I can't wait, dude. February is going to be great. But that's all I've been playing. So we'll now move into our weekly scoop news report. We've got 14 items on the docket for this week. And we're going to kick things off with big news. 
Xbox Game Pass. Are you familiar with this? Yes. Okay, that's the one. It's obviously it's, 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 it's like a Netflix kind of series. Yeah. Kind of deal. For, for, for those that aren't familiar, it is it is Microsoft's version of Netflix. It's Microsoft's version of the EA Access Vault. Um, they they were adding some of their older games to to the Xbox Game Pass, and for nine ninety nine a month, you had access to over one hundred Xbox One titles. Uh, now we just found out the other day they are going to expand the Xbox Game Pass and start putting new titles from Microsoft Studios on the release date into oh, Xbox wow. Game Pass. So the very first game to be added to Xbox Game Pass on its release date will be Sea of Thieves. That comes out on March 20th. Following that, new games like State of Decay 2, Crackdown 3, and future unannounced titles, including new iterations of our biggest Xbox One exclusive franchises such as Halo, Forza, and Gears of War, will also be headed to Xbox Game Pass on the release date. Microsoft also announced that it is working with retail partners to offer a six-month Xbox Game Pass subscription card for 60 bucks, alongside the release of Sea of Thieves on March 20th. This is massive. That's big. I just wonder if it's sustainable. Like, cause, uh, let's, let's say Halo. Sure. Halo, which would normally retail for $60. Okay, so it's worth it's worth your money right then and there. Yeah. Will you have access to Halo three months from now? Or will they pull that game from the from the service? Everything that they've added to Xbox Game Pass since it launched last year is still there. Then it's a great deal. And yeah, they they haven't the, 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 uh, they haven't rotated this, anything out. This could be a game changer. I think it's an absolute game changer because and and I think and I and I think this is the first step to the future of video games. I really do. I think Microsoft is taking that first step. Um, I, I think it sucks because this this officially does mean that games are now tied to be strictly online. And games are a service now. Games are not something that you physically own anymore if, if this is how you do it. So so that that definitely sucks. Um, you know, a couple months from now, like you were talking about with Halo 6, will you still be able to play it? Sure. But a couple years from now or a couple of decades from now, probably not. And, and that's what sucks. Like, you know, in, in 20 years or 30 years, if I want to go back and play Halo 2 or Halo 3 for the single player, I can do that. I can boot up my Xbox original or my Xbox 360 and still play those games in their entirety. But I can't play Halo 6 if it's tied to Xbox Game Pass. Exactly. So so that definitely that definitely is a, is a change. And it's, it's going to be something that we, being part of the video game industry, are going to have to adapt to over time. And I think there's going to be a lot of... A lot of negativity. I think there's going to be a first of all. I think there's going to be a lot of positivity about this move because for ten bucks a month, I can now play all new releases on the release date with with no hassle. I mean, if if Sony did that, I'd sign up day one. If Nintendo oh, did that, yeah. I'd sign up day one. If I owned an Xbox One, I would sign up right now for this. But I don't own an Xbox One. This does entice me to possibly get an Xbox One though. Um, because 10 bucks a, 10 bucks a month and I'll, and have access to all those games it's yeah this, pretty much a no-brainer this this does entice me to once I have some extra funds to pick up an Xbox One X and have access to Crackdown 3, Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, Halo 6, the new Forza, the next Gears of War on the release date for just $10. That's amazing. And I and I never thought we'd see something like that, which is pretty cool. Um if this works out, if if it's if like you mentioned if it's sustainable but also, if it is profitable, then I think it, I think Sony and Nintendo will will take a look at this and say, okay, well, we could charge sixty dollars for a game, and we could sell two or three million copies and get so much back. But if we have, you know, there's seventy million 
placed there's 73 million PS4s out there in the wild. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn didn't sell 73 million copies. God of War is not going to sell 73 million copies. Yes, it will. Those games sell to you know anywhere from two to six, maybe seven million copies, which is a far cry of how many, a far cry away from how many PlayStation fours are out there in the wild. However, if Sony did the PlayStation Game Pass and charged ten bucks a month for it, I guarantee you at least ten or twelve million people would sign up for it almost instantaneously. Uh, if not 20 to 30 million people that owned a PS4 would sign up for this because it's just $10 a month. Then your games are getting out there more. So, you know, God of War will actually be played by a significantly more amount of people than it would be if it sold, you know, at 60 bucks a pop to 5 million people. How much money is that? That's 300,000 or no, I'm sorry, not 300,000. That's way a far cry. $300 million uh, at, at $10 a month. And let's say, you know, 20 million people sign up for the PlayStation Game Pass. That's $200 million. But that's just one month. So throughout a, throughout the year, I think it would be more profitable to do this method than it would be to actually sell a game for 60 bucks. I really do. Especially if people stayed subscribed. Yeah. I mean, Netflix has the right idea, dude. Netflix is one of the most profitable companies in the world, and they're one of the biggest right now. They have to be doing something right. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't still be going strong. I am all for this. I'm I'm so down. I want this to be a thing on the Switch. I want this to be a thing on the PS4. I want this to be a thing for Steam. And I, I want this to continue for Xbox One. But if it only exists on Xbox One, I fully support that. I, I really like this move that Microsoft is taking with this. And I want to support this. Like I said, this definitely makes me want to buy an Xbox One. Because I, it, want, I want this to succeed. Because it's a great initiative and it's a great idea. I think I'd probably be down with getting, you know, picking up the uh, Microsoft console again. Something I swore I'd never do. Yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. That something as simple as that is all is all it takes. It really is. Hey, give me games, and it's pretty yeah. much all I'm asking. Yeah, and for ten bucks a month, man, you have access to all their games, which is insane. So pretty cool, pretty cool movement. Uh, all right, let's move into some game announcements. We've got two announcements to talk about. Number one. Atari has launched a crowdfunding campaign on the Start Engine platform, seeking between 10,000 and 1.7 million, no, sorry, 1.07 million, to bring a new entry in the Roller Coaster Tycoon franchise to the Nintendo Switch. Roller Coaster Tycoon for Switch will be an original game made specifically for the handheld that takes advantage of its home and portable capabilities. It will contain exclusive features and be developed by Invisio Creations, the studio behind the free-to-play Roller Coaster Tycoon Touch. So, obviously, this has not met its funding goal yet, but uh, there is a possibility we'll be seeing a Roller Coaster Tycoon game come to the Switch in the future. If it's as bad as Roller Coaster Tycoon on the 3DS was, I'll pass. That was our bad game two weeks ago, or three yes, weeks ago. it was. <laughs> Maybe it was last week. I don't remember. No, it was three weeks ago. It was a few weeks ago. Yeah. The next game announcement is not actually a game announcement, but more so a release date announcement. But I, I, I have to put it here because it just it makes sense to put it here. So this this makes me extremely happy and something that I actually referred to earlier when I said February is going to be a big month and that I got to get Digimon out of the way. The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 2 will be launching for PC via Steam, GOG.com and the Humble Store on Valentine's Day, February 14th, courtesy of Exceed Games and Neon Falcom. 
The game was originally released for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita in Japan in September of 2014, followed by North America and Europe in September and November of 2016, respectively. A PlayStation 4 version with 4K support is due out in Japan on March 8th. So obviously this is the second Trails of Cold Steel. The first one I just finished last August uh, when when they released that one on Steam. Put 90-some hours into it. This one's I thought you played two. Mm, I played one. Oh, yeah, oh the Trails of Cold Steel one. This is Trails of Cold Steel 2 is coming to, to Steam on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Uh, I've been counting down the days, obviously. I've been waiting for them to announce the release date for this. I knew it was going to be early 2018. I just didn't know when. Uh, Justin is actually still playing it on the PlayStation 3, so it'll be kind of cool now that I'll actually be able to be caught up where he is in the franchise, because I've been playing it on PC. So, um, I can't wait. I can't wait. And this this does give me a glimmer of hope that maybe Xseed will be able to finish Trails of Cold Steel 3 for PlayStation 4 before the end of 2018, because now they're already getting Cold Steel 2 out of the way on PC, which is one of their big things that they've been working on. Now they can put all hands on deck for Cold Steel 3, try to get that done by the end of 2018, and... and make me happy and make fans happy around the world because that would mean they're finally caught up on the Legend of Heroes franchise up to where it's at in Japan, which is pretty neat. That's pretty awesome. Yep. So we're now going to move in to some teases and leaks. We got two things to talk about. A job listing at Japanese career site Creators Partner Fellows seemed to suggest that Atlas is working on a high-end action game for PlayStation 4. The job listing, titled Seeking 2D Concept Design and Key Animation Talents for a PlayStation 4 high-end action game, says it is a job for an in-house team of a long-standing consumer game maker famous for its unique goddess, Shimigami Tensei, and demon RPGs. Its job contents are listed as the following. A newly underdeveloped PlayStation 4 project. As for the genre, it is a game that includes action-based battle elements, and the concept art is 2D, which is kind of neat. So we, we aren't sure exactly what this is, but I, uh, it, it's going to be a new persona. I, I don't know, because Persona's not 2D. It's a 2D persona. I don't know. I think the Atlas has definitely been trying their hand with some new IPs lately. Uh, they, they've they they're working on a couple. Um, man, I forget which one they're working on. It's Project Refantasy, I think it's called. So they're definitely doing a couple new IPs. I would be down for some new IPs from Atlas. Because they make great games. Obviously, Catherine, Persona, Shimigami Tensei. I, I love all of their stuff. And I, I would be down for even more on top of just those three. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd play a new Persona even if it was 2D. But uh, I, I don't think that's what this is. But if it is, color me pleasantly surprised because I'll play it. <laughs> uh, our, our last tease in League for this week. I was going to say Paper Persona. Oh, I would not play that. No, I would, but I would not be happy. <laughs> uh, Square Enix, speaking of paper and where the Mario RPG franchise started, Square Enix is considering bringing the upcoming Secret of Mana remake to the Nintendo Switch, producer Masaru Oyamada told US Gamer in an interview. This is the one that's launching in February for PlayStation 4 and PC. So they're considering bringing this to the Switch, and honestly, dude, it makes sense to put it on the Switch. Of course. Um, he also added that... They, Square Enix has heard the demands for a Western localization of the Seiken Densetsu collection, which is the entirety of the Mana series that was released back in the 16-bit era. They put a collection out on, on in the Japanese market for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, we've we've been you know crying out for a localization of that here in North America for the for the English Nintendo Switch. Uh, so they they have heard that and they are considering bringing that over, which would be really really cool. I would be so happy to, to have all those. And because I think one of them we've never even gotten here in North America, which would be nice. But which one uh, did we get? I would have to check. I can look. 
Uh, Wait, are we losing a Gaia? No, was that um? So the Mana series games. We're doing this live. Second in Setsu three. Oh, that was called okay. Yeah, yeah, we didn't get that one. Okay, it's, it's it's part of the it's part of the Mana series. So that one is was released in Japan on September thirtieth, nineteen ninety five. The one before that was Second in Setsu two. That was Secret of Mana released here in North America um, for the Super Nintendo on October third, nineteen ninety three. Make it happen, Captain. I, dude, I, w- I would love it. Like I said, I would absolutely love it because it's awesome. It's it's so cool that uh, that they released this collection, but it kind of sucks at the same time because we didn't get a chance to play it. Um, it would be really nice uh, because obviously some of these games are my favorite, especially Secret of Mana. Secret of Mana is so good, which you actually played recently on on the, uh, on the Super Nintendo Classic Edition. So, yeah. I I more so want it just for second in Sets 2 3, but uh, I, I would play all of them again. <laughs> I would play all of them again. For some DLC-related news, version 1.3 for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is going to launch in mid-February, and this adds a New Game Plus mode called Advanced New Game uh, Advanced New Game Mode, as well as uh, a couple bug fixes that they haven't actually told what it is yet. Uh, kind of neat. I, the, Unless they do something drastically different with New Game Plus mode, that doesn't entice me to go back and play through the entirety of it again when I, I'm more interested in the story content that's going to come out later this year. But I know a lot of people love New Game Plus modes in their JRPGs. I mean, just a lot of people utilize it in, in games in general. So so this is nothing but a positive here for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 but that they're finally putting in the uh, New Game Plus mode. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm in support of that. We've got a delay to talk about. But we Uh-oh. also... At the same time that we have a delay, we also found out uh, something that's in development, which is kind of neat. So, in, in in no surprise to me, probably no surprise to you, and no surprise to a lot of other people, Anthem, the next game from the Bioware team behind the original Mass Effect trilogy, has been delayed out of 2018, and it will now launch early 2019. Instead of you don't it, you don't say. <laughs> instead of its initially announced fall release of this year. Uh, Bioware is in trouble, man. I'm telling you they're in trouble. They are. Yeah. Uh, this is according to a Kotaku report citing multiple sources familiar with the project, and as we all know, Kotaku is rarely wrong. Uh, according to one source, the fall 2018 release date mentioned during the E3 2017 announcement was never realistic in the first place. While exact dates remain to be set, Anthem must plan a beta release, an EA Access launch, and an ongoing schedule of patches and updates, but it does not appear that Electronic Arts will let Bioware delay Anthem past March 2019. So this is going to end up just like Mass Effect Andromeda, dude. Uh, EA, EA is going to force Bioware to put this out in an unfinished date, and it's going to bomb because that's what happened to Mass Effect Andromeda. EA, EA is putting their foot down, saying it has to be out by March 2019. And e- even if it's not ready, that means Bioware's got to put it out, which means it's going to fail. So we'll have to see. Kotaku spoke to more than half a dozen people close to the project, all of whom described feeling both optimistic that they can make something good, but anxious at the number of forces that appear to be pushing against them at the same time. Anthem has been in development since 2012 and remained in pre-production for a very long time. Rumors in 2014 and 2015 suggested development was not going well due to issues with the Frostbite engine. Since 2017, however, development has been ramping up and one source described game development over time as going from this game is screwed to simply game development is really hard. In addition to Anthem, Bioware is working on a reboot, according to the same sources, of the Dragon Age series which sources say will implement more live elements, but still heavily focus on characters and story. 
However, BioWare's focus will remain solely on Anthem until it is released by March 2019. Dragon Age series executive producer Mark Dara also publicly confirmed that he is working on both Anthem and Dragon Age as the executive producer. So, a new Dragon Age also confirmed to be in the works in the same news story, but uh, it sounds like it's going to be a complete reboot of the franchise instead of, instead of a continuation after Inquisition, which is what I wanted. Yeah, this sucks. It does suck. And like I said, I, I really feel like Bioware is just getting set up to fail here, um, and, and I think they're in trouble. I really do. I think EA is going to end up killing them in, in one way or another. I really do. It's a freaking shame. He... Dragon Age might be the only thing that even saves Bioware now. It, yeah, yeah. Depending on what they do with the reboot, yeah. Depending on what they do, um, it, it all depends. It really does because Mass Effect obviously is on an indefinite hiatus and probably never coming back. Anthem, Anthem looks cool. Anthem looks great, but I want to play Anthem. <laughs> I do too. But if they have to rush rush through its development and rush it out to make the, I mean, March twenty nineteen is only thirteen months away. So if we if we look at the end of March 2019, then we, we have maybe 14 months. So that's not a lot of time for a game that this of this caliber. So ho- hopefully they can pull it off. But uh, I'm not feeling too I'm not feeling too good on this. Oh, sir. No. Closing out for today, we've got several things to talk about here under random news. Pro- I think the, the biggest actual segment that we had for the weekly scoop news report this week is, is under random news. And we have seven things here for random oh, news. Cool. <laughs> just because uh, th- these stuff didn't fit anywhere else. And this is actually something you and I talked about off air. Toys R Us is closing dozens of stores across the country. Uh, it hurts. It, it hurts me, man. Yeah. My childhood one is being closed. Yeah, yeah, this is something, and uh, I, I specifically put it in here just because uh, we had an episode of Max Level dedicated to our Toys R Us memories several several months back. It was one of our initial episodes for Max Level, uh, and, and you and I had talked about our Toys R Us memories, how we used to walk through and get those little slips for the games, and you said your yeah. mom worked at one down the street from where you guys used to live. That, and that's, that's the one that's closing. Like, yeah, so closing, I, I, closing, I closing specifically floral, put this in there for that. Island. Yeah, I specifically put this in there for that reason, uh, just, just to kind of bring that back up. But... Uh, yeah, kind of sucks. They're closing, uh, I think they said, 182 stores over the next several months, which is which is pretty crappy. Amazon but, Prime is killing the, the toy store. It's... Yeah, no, Amazon is definitely going to eventually kill every single big box store, every single yeah. brick, and, brick and mortar store. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. The, the only ones that are probably will survive will be like your Walmarts. Um, yeah. Maybe Target? Maybe? Maybe Best Buy? Because Best Buy... Seems to be doing pretty well at combating Amazon with a lot of things, um, specifically with the video game stuff with like the X, uh, what not Xbox, uh, Amazon Prime discounts and the uh, yeah. Xbox uh, Gamers Club Unlocked discounts, or not Xbox, uh, Best Buy Gamers Club Unlocked discounts. So maybe Best Buy survives, but Amazon is definitely slowly chipping away at the at the brick and mortar stores and taking them out one by one. Uh, it kind of sucks though, as far as I know. As far as I know, the Toys R Us in my area is not closing, but this is not the one that obviously this is not my childhood Toys R Us. My childhood Toys R Us lies over on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm not sure if that one is closing. I can I could check because I have a list here. Uh, let's scroll down to Ohio. And... Yeah, I, I know the one down the street from me here is yeah. staying, but this is my childhood one. That's the one that, that one hurts. No, it looks like the one that I went to as a kid is not closing. They're closing the one, one of them in Cincinnati, one in Dayton, one in Mentor, one in Dublin, and one in uh, Western Hills here in Ohio. So not even too many yeah. of them. Suck it, Western Hills. <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking here at New York, New York definitely has a ton that are getting closed. Yeah. 
Yonkers, Westbury. Comac is the one that uh, it's Co- closing with. It's, it's, Co- that was my childhood one. Comac. Yeah. Over there at 108 Veterans Memorial Highway. Yeah, that was my childhood <laughs> one. That sucks, man. That sucks. Uh, something else that sucks. Mitomo, Nintendo's March 2016 launched social application for smartphones, will end service on May 9th at 12 a.m. Pacific time, 3 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, Nintendo, last long. Nintendo announced the other day. Yeah, Mitomo is already coming to an end. Uh, sale of Mitomo coins actually ended the other day when the story broke, so you can no longer buy Mitomo coins. Uh, daily login bonuses of Mitomo coins and game tickets will be offered until the service ends on May 9th in order for users to continue playing the game and other features such as Mitomo Shop. Uh, kind of sucks, but apparently a lot of people weren't playing Mitomo. Or I actually, for, a lot, of, a lot of people played Mitomo when it first came out. But obviously a lot of people uninstalled it after that and just, you know, concurrent downloads just weren't enough to keep the service running. So it's just a cycle that we go through here for mobile games. It happens all the time. Uh, and in fact, you're going to see that here with our next story. Paragon, um, Epic Games... <laughs> So, so this is funny. On April 26th, Epic Games is going to be offering a full refund to every Paragon player for every purchase on any platform because the game is going away. <laughs> was not profitable, was not sustainable. Epic Games is already shutting down Paragon on April 26th. Uh, Epic Games said in a statement, quote, after careful consideration and many difficult internal debates, we feel there isn't a clear path for us to grow Paragon into a MOBA that retains enough players to be sustainable. We didn't execute well enough to deliver on the promise of Paragon. We have failed you, despite the team's incredibly hard work, and we're incredibly sorry. To request a refund for anyone that actually bought the game from Epic Games, just go to, uh, if you're not playing on PC, link your Epic Games account to in, inside of Paragon. And if you are playing on PC, or you have already linked your Epic Games account, you can request your refund by going to their website. So, and anyone but, that bought but, that but game... It's, but it's cool they're, they're actually giving you your money back. That's Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the game just launched, like... Yeah, a few months ago. Yeah, but they they could have been scumbags. Like they, they definitely could have. So could have this, 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 is a, this is a plus. They could have been. I mean, they're being nice about it. Epic Games is usually usually a pretty chill team, but uh, yeah, dude, it just sucks because these types of games, it, it's not worth it to try and go up against something like League of Legends or Dota because nothing is going to take those two down. Uh. And and just the same thing with like. Uh, Lawbreakers trying to go up against Overwatch. It's not worth it. Try something different because trying to go up against those big dogs, it's like, you know, trying to eliminate Roman Reigns from the Royal Rumble. Just not going to happen. The big dog will always survive. (laughs) So this here's a pretty cool little piece of news. Uh, Ubisoft is going to release South Park The Stick of Truth as a standalone game for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One um, on February 13th, both physically and digitally for $29.99. So before you used to have to buy the Fractured Butthole to get the Stick of Truth on PS4 or Xbox One. Okay. So now they're actually going to launch it both physically and digitally on February 13th for just 30 bucks for anyone that actually didn't buy the, the Fractured Butthole but still wants to play the Stick of Truth. So pretty neat there. I, I like that they do that. Um, I, I'm in support of that. Great, great story if you haven't played it yet. Yeah, yeah. The Stick of Truth is phenomenal. I still haven't had a chance to finish... Uh, or even put that much time into the fractured butthole. But that's that's something that's definitely just sitting there staring at me on the shelf that I need to get to. I'm still I'm waiting on new DLC for the fractured butthole for me to jump back into it. I know, yeah. You you talk about it pretty pretty regularly, or what? Oh, yeah, regularly, you know but, it. Uh, <laughs> you, you play it. You you definitely have played it a lot. Yes. This one this one's interesting here. Yuji Naka, the former head of the Sonic team and the lead programmer of the original Sonic games on the Sega Genesis, he hasn't been on the Sonic team for quite some time. 
but the original Sonic the Hedgehog creator, the original guy from the Genesis games, has joined Square Enix. Uh, quote, just a quick note to let you know, I joined Square Enix in January, Naka said. I'm joining game development does before and strive to develop games at Square Enix. I aim to develop an enjoyable game. Please look forward to it. After leaving Sonic Team in 2006, Naka founded Prope, a company that went on to develop several titles, including Ivy the Kiwi, Fishing Resort, Digimon Adventure, and Rodea the Sky Soldier. Naka did not announce whether his joining Square Enix will affect Prope. So the original Sonic the Hedgehog creator is now working over at Square Enix. Kind of it, has been, it has been confirmed. Knuckles will be in Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, I don't think so, because Sega still owns the IP for Sonic, and he can't use any of that stuff, unfortunately. You heard it here first. <laughs> Dream on. Dream on. It's here. You hit them high notes. Dream I, I, on. You know I can't. I know. <laughs> uh, in another move here in the, in the video game industry... Ojiro Fumoto, the creator of the vertical scrolling shooting platformer Downwell, has joined Nintendo, the developer announced on oh, Twitter. Oh, nice. Quote, I got a job at Nintendo, Fumoto said in a tweet. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, Downwell obviously is a fantastic game. It first launched for iOS and PC in October 2015, followed by Android in January 2016 and PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita in May of 2016. Yeah, Downwell is a phenomenal game if you haven't had a chance to play that. Uh, pretty cool that he got a job at Nintendo as a, as a developer. So Nintendo obviously always always out there trying to pick up good new talent. That's good because we need more games. Chop chop. <laughs> oh, that, that wasn't too entitled, was it? <laughs> I think I think you're always very entitled when it comes just, to just, Nintendo. Just right about. Yeah, always you're always very entitled, or at least you come off that way. Uh, our our last bit of our last bit of news this week: God of War has an official release date now for PlayStation Four, and it's coming on April twentieth. Sony Interactive Entertainment announced the other day. Uh, the game will include multiple pre-order bonuses and be available in several different editions. Go check out their website to see all the crap you can get if you pre-order it and all the different editions that are out there. Uh, I'm not excited for any of that stuff, but I am excited to play this game. I cannot wait for April 20th. For real, man. It's coming out on your favorite holiday. You know what else comes out April 20th? Nintendo Labo. It does it? It does. Oh, it's time to start saving some money, huh? <laughs> I know. I know. But, uh... That's that's April twentieth. That's a long ways away. Let's talk about what's coming out this week. Let's take a look let's at some bring new, back. Yeah, let's bring <laughs> it back. Let's take a look at some new releases for the week of January twenty ninth. Because we have four games coming up that are worth talking about this week. And once we once we name the four games, we'll obviously do our pick of the week. Pick of the week this week, I think is gonna be pretty easy. Uh okay. since, since there's only four games coming out. Uh we'll start off here on January thirtieth. So nothing Nothing Monday, obviously, the days comes up. Usually there's no any, no Monday releases. Tomorrow, Tuesday, January 30th, we have one game coming to PlayStation 4, Dissidia Final Fantasy NT. When where, where one conflict ends, another begins. With the struggle between order and chaos quelled by saviors from beyond, the realm was destined to fade from existence. Instead, an arcane power has breathed new life into it, bestowing these decaying remains with purpose once more. The fight has begun anew, and the world is your arena. Over 24 of Final Fantasy's most recognizable faces have assembled to take part in interdimensional fisticuffs. Face off against other teams in action-packed three-on-three melees that require sense as well as strength to win. Each combatant can be one of four types, vanguard, assassin, marksman, or specialist play off of your allies' fighting styles. Master the bravery system and emerge triumphant from the clash of steel and sorcery. Uh, you and I both had a chance to check out the 
closed beta when it was up the other past week and a half. Uh, we talked about it on a previous episode uh, two weeks ago on Max Level. If you want to hear our thoughts on that, go check that episode out. Uh, I, I did have a little bit of time to put into the beta. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I actually know your PS4 actually died, so you weren't able to play any more of the beta after the first time. Yeah, it stunk. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I was hyped up on this game. I still am. I, I obviously don't have the money to get this right away, but it is going to be something that I'm going to pick up sooner rather than later because I want to experience the story. That's that's obviously the only reason I'm playing this game is for the story. Obviously, we, you and I both know fighting games except for like Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur. I'm not a fighting game kind of guy. But I love Final Fantasy as a franchise, and I, I like to see the stories. So I, I want to play this game strictly to see what Square Enix does with the story. Um, not so much for the fighting mechanics. Uh, we move to the first, which is Thursday. We've got one game coming to Nintendo Switch, Skyforced Reloaded. Skyforced Reloaded is classic shoot-em-up experience packed in gorgeous visuals and excellent gameplay. Enjoy flashy explosions, beautiful scenery, and massive bosses in single-player or local cooperative modes. Uh, this launched late last year for Steam. I may have also launched on, on other platforms as well, but uh, it's finally coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, looks very much like a Resogun type of game, a Next Machina type of game, you know, one of those bullet hells that uh, Housemark is really good at, but it's coming from Infinite Dreams. Those games are great. They are. So, I, I think Resogun was one of the better sleeper hits out there. Yeah, it really is. So uh, for, for people that like those kind of games and that you have a Nintendo Switch, it's definitely worth looking into Skyforce Reloaded. The game looks pretty dang good. And it has really it has great reviews on Steam. Uh, next up, we're going to go ahead and move to Friday, which is January 2nd. We're already on our last day of the week. It's February 2nd. Did I say January 2nd? Oops, mm-hmm. sorry. February 2nd. My bad. Uh, <laughs> stuck in the past. That's that's Retro Game Rewind, and that's Retro Game <laughs> Classic. Stuck in the past now. We're talking this week. So February 2nd. I may have said January 1st, too, but... Uh, February 2nd, EA Sports UFC 3 will be coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. EA Sports UFC 3 revolutionizes fighting movement with real player motion tech, a new gameplay animation technology that that delivers the most fluid and responsive motion ever. 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 Every punch, kick, block, and counter has been recaptured and rebuilt on cutting-edge animation tech to look and feel lifelike and responsive, delivering the most strategic, competitive fighting experience in franchise history. In GOAT career mode, obviously greatest of all time, players can build fight hype. Build fight. Oh, players can build fight hype to gain fans, earn cash to train at new gyms, and create heated rivalries with other fighters to capture the world's attention. How you promote outside of the octagon matters as much as how you perform inside of it as you progress to becoming the greatest of all time. Goat. In addition, an all-new suite of customizable multiplayer modes let you f- yet let you and your friends get into the octagon and face off in fast, fun, intense bouts where a highlight reel knockout is always one strike away. And victory can happen in the blink of an eye. Uh, I'm not buying this. Nor am I, uh, and I, I actually like the UFC games. It's just that it's not. They're too hard. <laughs> they're they're hard, and it has to wow me. Uh, I'm not wowed. I'm not either. Um, the, 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 the last one I played, not I played two. I, play, I, I played ESP uh, two like two last yeah. year, two years ago. The, the, the first bout in, I kicked him in the face, and the match was over after exactly. like hour, hours of customization and training. Exactly. Like the first <laughs> match the match, I'm like, I get it. Anything can happen in the blink of an eye. Yeah. 
cut me some slack here. Okay, let, let, let me get a punch off. Let me, let me do something here. <laughs> uh, we actually talked about this when the game was announced in max level in a previous episode. Yeah. How, how, I'm sure how, I told you the same story. <laughs> yeah, how how hard this game is just to get into. Like once you get into it, or you know, if you play with someone that actually already exists within the UFC, and you're you know you're playing with someone with decent stats and not trying to go through the career mode, it's fun to play. But if you're trying to actually do the career mode for what it's meant to be, bring this guy up from nothing and, and try to win a title or something like that, it's extremely challenging, especially if you're playing on like a regular difficulty, yeah. because you, you do. You get destroyed within seconds, and it's not fun. And it, it's so hard to level up, and it's so hard to actually advance yourself when you're getting knocked out within the first round. And and that's just not fun. And obviously, as we always say, we play video games to have fun. That's not fun. Exactly. Our last release here, also on February 2nd, coming to PC, a game called We Were Here 2, uh, 2 as in T-O-O. As your final hour approaches, a large structure looms up in the distance, towering above the relentless storm. Discover the truth behind this dark castle in a communication-based cooperative puzzle adventure. This sounds right up your alley. I just have fun. Yeah, and it, uh, it, it has like a, almost like a medieval horror dracula type of feel to it mixed with king arthur and it, it, this one looks pretty neat and it, it, obviously it's a puzzle game like mist you can't go wrong no you, well you can but uh it's, it's, you, all, you, go, you, go, you always mess it up yes yes yeah, it's, it's i mean plenty of companies have messed it up plenty of companies have messed it up but uh all right, man, that, that's it for the new releases for this week. So let's take a quick break. We're going to jump to podcast intermission. We'll be right back. Today's podcast intermission is going to feature our show, Revisiting the Classics. It's a weekly trip back to the past to play some retro games every Saturday. Recently, Frank and I talked about our initial adventures within Final Fantasy IV. Let's take a listen. What, what I really like about Final Fantasy IV is definitely the presentation and the story. And that's, that's the reason that it still remains to this day one of my favorite Final Fantasies in the actual franchise. I, I still think it holds up extremely well. I mean, we're playing this in 2018, and yeah. the, the game is still extremely good. Um, the story is compelling. The soundtrack is excellent. Uh, every time I hear the theme of love kick in, I just I get I get chills, man. That That's such a great tune that Nobuyumatsu composed. And when we talked about it on our Final Fantasy IV and V episode of BG Mania... I had mentioned that uh, Thema Love is actually taught in elementary schools over in Japan because it's just so good. So it, it's just crazy, man. It's just so it's so crazy. But uh, uh, it's absolutely amazing. You know, can you imagine like, hey, now, now we're going to play Super Mario Brothers. I know. I know. That would be so cool. And I would be I, I would have loved music class in, in elementary school if it actually did stuff like that. It would have been so cool. Um. So, so at this point, I'm roughly 10 hours in. I don't know how long it took you to get to this point. I definitely overleveled. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time overleveling, so I might be like an hour or two ahead of you. What level were you? Uh, obviously, uh, Paladin re resets back to one. But yes. do, you, do you remember roughly what level you were when you got to that point? 23? Okay, then, you know, then, then I overleveled as well. I was going to say I was at 23. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was, was like 20, 23, 24. I think... Ridio is like 17, but that's because you have a rotating castle. It's one yeah, like yeah, two. yeah, much like two. This is a, I mean, Cecil is always in your party, at least up to this point. It, it, it but it is, but it's cool. It's a five party system. So it's the first Final Fantasy that actually you can, you know, you actually are fighting with five people instead of four or three. But uh, yeah, Cecil is always in your party, and then you have a rotating cast of additional characters um, Ridia, Yang the Monk, uh, Tella. 
the the legendary the sage or the mage, whatever you want to call him. There's pa- uh, Palum and Parum eventually when you get to them. Oh yeah. Edward Edward the Bard. Um and then obviously Kane, another another Dark Knight in the uh in the Red Wings for Kingdom Baron. But uh what I what I like about Final Fantasy IV is that it, it's it's more or less a redemption story. And it's it's Cecil and obviously Kingdom Baron is doing the Kingdom of Baron is doing a lot of questionable things. Uh, you know, they're trying to obtain all of these crystals. Uh, you know, the, the same type of crystal that that we've seen yeah. in every single Final Fantasy up to this point. Uh, you know, the fire crystal, the earth crystal, the water crystal. They're trying to obtain all these crystals to get the power from them, and uh, they're sending out the Red Wings to actually do this. And the very first thing that you see in the game is, you know, the Red Wings themselves with Cecil actually having a a flashback to the horrible things that they did in the town of Missidia which was slaughtering all of them in the name of in the name of the king to obtain the water crystal if you enjoy what you heard you can find revisiting the classics in its own rss feed on your favorite podcast app of choice simply by searching revisiting the classics or level down games however you can also find it in the max level rss feed and on youtube now back to more max level all right and we are back it's time for the main discussion, and we have something interesting to talk about this week, something I just picked up on. I saw an article written over at uh, GameSpot.com on this, and then I saw a massive thread going on over at Reset Era, and, and this is interesting to me because it's actually something that you and I kind of talked about off-air several weeks ago when, when talking about uh, finances and funds. So one of the biggest things right now, obviously in the world, is cryptocurrency. Things yes. like things like Bitcoin, things like Ethereum. Bitcoin is at an all time high right now. Uh, bit, what is it like fifteen? It's like fifteen thousand dollars equals one Bitcoin or something like that. Like it's it's insane how much a Bitcoin is worth in terms of U.S. dollars. It's, yeah. it's absolutely incredible. How do you get Bitcoins? Do you know? You mine for them. It's, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You have to use raw horsepower from your PC. Uh, a lot of people, when when they're mining for bitcoins, it's like you know they build these ten thousand dollar rigs, these twenty thousand yeah. dollar rigs, specifically designed to mine bitcoin like crazy. But mining bitcoin is so expensive because first of all, you have to buy the rig. You have to build something that is capable of of mining bitcoin at a at a fast speed so that you can actually get as much as possible because that's where you make your money. The other reason it's so expensive is because it is an absolute electricity hog, the machine that you're running. And when you're actually running these things, I, I've seen people's bills up in the thousands of dollars for one month when they're when they're mining Bitcoin. So in actuality, you have to make enough Bitcoin per month to pay for the electric that you're using to get some type of return on the investment you made for your machine and then still have some profit in the end. So yeah. so obviously, if you buy a twenty thousand dollar rig to mine Bitcoin, it's going to take you about a year to get the the profits back from buying that machine. So so theoretically, you just have to make, and it, it is possible, people do this all the time. It, it's a legit thing. People are making thousands upon thousands of dollars mining Bitcoin every month, but you have to have an appropriate machine to do it. Well, a lot of Joe Blows out there, people like you, people like me, people, just your average everyday consumer are now trying to get into the cryptocurrency craze. People are going out there. They're buying, you know, 970s, 980s, 980Ti's, 1060s, 1060s, 1070s, 1080s, 1080Ti's, and they're mining Bitcoin. 
Um, they're obviously not going to do as well with those because they're not, you know, these, these machines are just, these, these are gaming cards. These are gaming yeah. machines, but they are feasible to mine Bitcoin. You can actually make a decent amount, a couple hundred dollars a month, maybe mining Bitcoin using, using a high end processor for or a high end GPU and a good processor on your PC. You're going to pay a lot in electricity, but you can actually make a couple hundred dollars a month doing this. There's a negative a side effect to this though. And, and that's our main discussion for today. So that was all backstory to get to our main okay. discussion. So I'm going to read this article here. And, and GameSpot actually did all of the, the research for this. So I'm giving them credit for, for the entirety of this, of this main discussion. But they put out a public service announcement the other day saying, please, at the current point in time, do not build a new PC and do not buy a graphics card thanks to cryptocurrency. Reason being, prices have more than tripled for these GPUs now. So, so because everyone was buying them up and, and buying these GPUs to mine Bitcoin, to mine Ethereum, to do all this kind of stuff, um, <laughs> a 1080 Ti, which you used to be able to get for 700 bucks, $1,400 now. So more than double or actually exactly double. Um, so, so GameSpot here says, if you haven't been following the price of graphics card lately or are oblivious to the price of GPUs and are thinking about buying one, then we've got an important public service announcement for you. Now is a really bad time to buy one. Graphics card prices have skyrocketed because GPUs are so effective at mining cryptocurrency, which has gained a lot of traction in recent months. To get a gauge for the price discrepancy, let's look at the GTX 1080 Ti, the lowest you can find NVIDIA's flagship gaming card, the one I was actually going to buy this year. The lowest you can buy it right now online is $1,350, which is roughly twice the card's MSRP of $700. The situation is arguably worse on the AMD side. The 4GB version of the RX 580, which carries an MSRP of 200 is going for roughly two and a half times as much online currently for 500 So, So they put a, a, a price comparison here. The 1080 normally retails for 550 It's going for 1100 The 1070 Ti normally retails for 450 It's going for 800 The 1070 is normally 380 It's going for 900 which is absolutely insane. Uh, the 1060 is normally 250 It's going for 400 The 1050 Ti is normally 150 bucks. It's 185 right now. And the, 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 the smallest gap is for the 1050, which is the lowest uh, NVIDIA GeForce GTX that you can get right now that's actually viable. Uh, normally, it sells for 110 It's actually only uh, the street price right now is 140 so only $30 more. But still. But, uh, but still, it's, it's still a $30 markup. Um, the AMD Radeon RX Vega 64, which is the best AMD card you can get, which normally retails for $500, is currently $1,500, so three times the actual the MSRP. Um, the, the pricing surge has affected all GPUs across the, across the charts, across the country, everywhere. Even lower-end cards, obviously, like that we just mentioned, they, they aren't that good at mining cryptocurrency, but people are buying them because they can still do some type of mining. Um, it, it's absolutely insane. I, I, I researched this after I saw this last night when I put this together. I went over on Amazon and I, and I typed in a 1080 Ti and I went to look to see what the price is. And they're sold out everywhere. Uh, GameSpot's 100% correct. The cheapest one I was able to find was like $1,400. And that's just from some third-party seller, not even on Amazon. So I went to Best Buy. Best Buy sells them, but they're currently they, they're listed as sold out. So, But the, the price gauge isn't as bad over at Best Buy, but they're sold out. So I went to Micro Center, which is a local store. And I obviously know Micro Center is, they have other stores here and there, but one of their main stores is up uh, near Cleveland in Ohio. I went on their website and took a look. They're selling them for even more than what uh, what Amazon has them listed for. I think the 1080 Ti was like 16 or 1700 bucks, which is insane. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but we actually have a Micro Center out here on uh, Long Island. Yeah. 
and they're always expensive no matter what well, even, the, even, the even, the even when it wasn't Cleveland, when, I, when i built my rig uh two years ago i got a lot of my parts from micro center because they're usually cheaper on certain things so like the ram uh the motherboard the the water cooler i have in my system and some of the fans i actually bought at my and the case i bought all that at micro center because it was cheaper there than it was on amazon the graphics card i bought on amazon because those are usually cheaper the power supply i bought on amazon it was cheaper there um my hard drives i bought on amazon those were cheaper there but i did get some things from micro center because they were cheaper what's crazy now though is i was looking at some of the the custom built pcs like kind of the ones i was telling you not to buy because it's more expensive yeah. they're almost cheaper now because if you go like to i buy power or cyber whatever like the cyber power pc one is whatever they have regulations they have to follow they're not allowed to mark up the graphics cards to their current pricing that they're at right now for street for street values so there's like the way they price out their custom rigs the the price of the card would be as if it was still 600 bucks it would be as if it was still 700 bucks so you can get like a really good i buy power pc from best buy right now uh with a 1080 ti uh, i7 7700 or 8700 for like 1900 bucks so just a couple hundred dollars more than what a graphics card is currently selling for uh, wow. and i mean when you buy all those parts alone i mean you're actually getting it cheaper which is crazy because it's the first time ever that buying a custom built pc like that from a from a third-party person is now cheaper than it would be just to build your own pc in general um do you want to do the big announcement or should i uh what's that Oh, um, so we're currently selling level down bucks. <laughs> so, so how do they mine level down bucks? Um, are, by liking, what? commenting, and subscribing. <laughs> and then, are you going to send them the bucks? Is that how this works? You, you, you also have to PayPal me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why would they pay no. you? Uh, so I can invest it in Bitcoin. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, See, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. No, uh, I, I thought they were. I thought they would. You know, you were basically saying you're going to pay them, like bribing them to start leaving us comments and that kind of stuff. Uh, that's what the, the profits from Bitcoin is going to be. You get a return on your investment. <laughs> that's funny. No, um, don't, don't don't give me money, guys. No, never. He's not worth it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like my employer. Exactly. Uh, they know they're going to fire you soon. Uh, no, but GameSpot obviously, <laughs> GameSpot obviously did kind of what I did once was looking at the custom built rigs. They said historically it's generally been cheaper to build a PC than to buy a pre-built system, but that has obviously changed now to cryptocurrency and how expensive a GPU is. They, GameSpot said that while we think you should still learn how to build a PC from scratch, as it can be very rewarding and educational, there's no shame in purchasing a pre-built system, especially right now when they're largely unaffected by the current cost-prohibitive price of GPUs. And sometimes even cheaper. Um, so, so I could buy like a brand new pre-made PC and then mine Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, 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 <laughs> so what they did? Gamespot built a PC over at CyberPower PC, uh, a Windows 10 operating system. They used a standard case, an Intel Core uh, processor of an i5, 8600K, which it's an i5. I, I obviously recommend an i7 if you're going to build a gaming rig. Uh, i5 will get the job done somewhat, though. They put a, a water cooler in there, a nice motherboard, 8 gigabytes of RAM. Again, I would recommend 16 or even 32, but 8 gigs is a good place to start. Um, they put an AMD pro, uh, GPU in there. I always prefer NVIDIA, but uh, is what it is. Some people like AMD, some people like NVIDIA. They put a 600-watt power supply in theirs and a 1-terabyte hard drive, and it only came out to $1,300, which is about the price I paid for mine. Um, and, and that was buying parts individually. So, but, but again, my, my PC 
is very comparable to what they built in today's market, and mine is still two years old, older than that. So I put top of the line stuff in mine when it was when it was when I built mine, and and I still got mine piece by piece for about thirteen hundred dollars. Now, if I were to buy all the stuff that I bought now and put that into today's prices with the GPU, my PC is like twenty three hundred dollars, and I could I can actually customize and get one built from CyberPower PC or I buy Power for nineteen hundred with top of the line stuff. So it sucks. it sucks because I was going to buy a new GPU this year for like seven, eight hundred bucks. I was going to get a 1080 Ti and now I can't unless the prices, you know, plummet over the next several weeks or months. But I just don't think they will, because I don't think cryptocurrency is going to actually, you know, I don't think it's going to crash anytime soon. I think it will. I, 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 honestly, I think come March is probably going to be done. I don't want it to. But at the same time, I kind of do because it's affecting it, it, it is now affecting gaming on a level that I didn't think cryptocurrency would actually affect gaming. And, and the, this craze, obviously, it's, it's just the most it's it's obviously the the most recent get rich quick type of scheme. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And uh, it, it it sucks because that is this is, I believe, the first time it's ever affected gaming. And, and not and not even gaming in general. This doesn't affect PS4. This doesn't affect Xbox One. This doesn't affect Nintendo Switch. This just affects PC gaming, which largely yeah. is still one. It's still the biggest market out there right now for gaming is PC. Um, but if this doesn't change anytime soon, PC gaming is in trouble because people aren't going to be able to afford to upgrade their GPUs. And as graphics get more intensive on PC. You do have to maintain your GPUs. You have to get it upgraded every couple of years in order to be able to play the latest and greatest, especially if you're a graphics whore and you want to play these things at 4K. You want to play these things at 60 frames per second unlocked. You want the games to look the best that they possibly can. You have to keep purchasing top-of-the-line you know, graphics cards from AMD or NVIDIA. And if you can't afford it, then you're, you're stuck with what you have or you're going to have to you know, play on a PS4 or an Xbox One or a PS5 or an Xbox One 2 or whatever, whatever it is. So... Yes, the Xbox One Two Switch. Yeah, um, Xbox One Two Switch, where you milk a cow, exactly. Now, honestly, um, not to go too political into anything. It's not even political, but like, come March, mm-hmm. when the Fed does their new rulings and such. Yeah. So, so I was gonna, I, I was gonna ask you why you think come March it could, yeah, it could potentially yeah. change. I, I, I didn't just pick March out of that. Uh, that's when the, the Fed does their new ruling, and I, you know, they're gonna target cryptocurrency hard because you don't want something competing with the U.S. dollar. Right. They're not going to be they're not going to back that. So they might, they might try to find some kind of way to break this up. Uh, I don't know if they can, but they, they, they're going to try. It's definitely going to affect the market. I expect the the, the cryptocurrency to drop quite a bit. We'll see. I mean, Bitcoin's been going on for quite a while. It's just kind of hit its, sur- its resurgence now. Yeah. But I I, I, ex- I expect to take a pretty big hit, especially if uh, the government wants to start intervening in this. We'll have to see. I, I'm with, sure. with that and with net neutrality and other fun things, they'll, they'll find a way to mess it up. Net neutrality is a whole nother issue. Net neutrality yeah. is a whole nother issue that we that we honestly uh, we've we've barely mentioned here on the Max Level Podcast because I do, I really don't like to get too political here, and I'm yeah. sure I know you don't either. Um, but just obviously, as I think we mentioned this when we talked about net neutrality, pay attention to what's going on in your government. Pay attention to what's what's happening, um, especially with with net neutrality, especially with this cryptocurrency craze. Um, because because if, if, if it doesn't crash, Bitcoin is is a monster, man. It really is. It, it's the Braun Strowman right now of the WWE. I mean, it's just what it is. It's 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 the monster among currency, and I I don't know that. If- I I will I will be perfectly honest. If I had some 
expendable cash. Yeah. I would be investing in Bitcoin right now. I would yeah. too. Absolutely. I would too. I've thought about mining, but the, the, the cost, like I have a PC that's capable of mining Bitcoin. I do, but it's not, there's, I couldn't make enough to actually be worth it for me. Like I, I plugged in the calculators. I plugged in. I, I even, I even asked, um, I asked Brian off the air yeah. the other day. I was like, I yeah. was like, you know, I go, so, so when do you do this? When do you do that? Yeah. Cause I was like, like in the off time, why don't you just mine Bitcoin? Right. And then they said, then of course you start doing the math on it. It's not yeah. mine. So, so I, pl I plugged, you know, I, I, I researched it. I plugged through, I found a couple calculators that, you know, you plug in the statistics of your machine, like the output that it could potentially do based on the components that are in there. And I think I found out that I would be able to make a couple hundred dollars a month. And it was like 250 or 300 or 350 or something like that total that I would that I would physically be able to make a month through Bitcoin. But at the same time, our electric bill would skyrocket because it's using 100 percent of your of your CPU's capability, 100 percent of your GPU, which does use a lot more electricity than it would if it's just, you know, running in idle mode or running in standby mode or even even exporting a video through Adobe Premiere or, you know, whatever that that doesn't take the full capacity. So, um but but mining Bitcoin would so it would increase our electric bill about another 150 200 bucks so at the end of the day I would walk away with maybe an additional hundred dollars a month and that's still a hundred dollars I don't have don't get me wrong I wouldn't I wouldn't mine that but uh, I I don't think it's worth all of the hassle in the end just for a hundred bucks I really no don't. not at all no break it break it down to th break it down to that's about three dollars a day yeah I can I can. Who, who, Let's not, maybe, let's, maybe let's not do that. Let's not, let's not put your computer at risk. No, I mean, you're going to you're gonna obviously put stress on your CPU. You're going to burn it out quicker. You're going to put stress on your GPU. Something could go wrong. You know, it, It's not worth it um, for just 100 bucks. If it was 1000 bucks, I may consider. But uh, 100 bucks isn't worth it, um, especially, especially right now. Because $3 a day, I could make that writing an article or two on certain websites if, if I really wanted to. But I, I just don't have the need to right now. Because exactly. we're doing, we're, yeah, we're doing fine. So, but I mean, if I had to make that, I could, uh, I could do it outside of of, of bitcoins. But uh, I, I know, I know, Bitcoin obviously doesn't have a whole lot to do with gaming, and it, it's weird that this was the main discussion for today's episode. But just because of the fact that it's currently affecting GPU prices, it's currently affecting now PC gaming. I definitely wanted to shed some light on it, and and because I honestly did not know this. I didn't know that the prices were triple or doubling or tripling until I saw this public service announcement come across my news feed uh, from, from GameSpot.com. And apparently a lot, of, a lot of other people didn't either because I think the reset era thread is was created because of what GameSpot put out. So a lot of people now are starting to realize that cryptocurrency is affecting our favorite pastime, which is PC gaming or gaming in general. So it, it is an issue that definitely... I'm hoping will get fixed in the future, at least sometime in 2018, because like I said, I was going to buy a 1080 Ti this year. I really was. I was going to start saving up for it here soon, putting money away each and every month to have money to be able to buy it by the end of the year. But uh, and now with this, I think I'm going to try to get my 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 970 that I have to squeeze out an extra year. Maybe NVIDIA will launch the 1100 series like the, you know, the 1170, the 1180 next year or maybe even later this year. Uh, I will have to jump on those immediately when they first come out because the prices will be the, the MSRP when they first hit. You know, they'll be the 600 the 700 $800, yeah. and then they'll go up from the there. So I'm going to have to buy, jump on the first shipment to those. So I'm going to save up for when they do. Uh, that's just I think that's the smartest thing to do right now is just to wait for the next line, get the neck, get the very first or second shipment before they start jacking the prices up. 
and and upgrade your PC that way. Either that or just, you know, save up a con up an extra couple hundred dollars in what you normally would have spent and just buy a pre-built rig because right now that that's pretty viable too and and very comparable in terms of pricing. It's just a couple hundred dollars more. So. It's absolutely insane, man. But you know, it's a let's, let's save PC gaming. Hashtag save PC gaming. Yeah, hashtag lower them GPU prices because it's absolutely ridiculous. And if you want to send me a Bitcoin, I'll love you forever. And it's oh, man, you'd be lucky if someone sent you like a millionth, oh, fra fra fraction, a, a millionth of a Bitcoin. You'd be lucky <laughs> if someone sent you that. But uh, all right, man. I think it's time for some retro game rewind. All right. So. Um, Growing up as a kid on Long Island, my most of my family's out here in New York. Sure. I have, I have a good chunk of them are in Ohio, Ohio represent. Mm -hmm. uh, but my mother's entire side mm -hmm. all reside in Texas. Okay. So every summer or every other summer, we have to make the trip out to visit grandma. Sure. In Texas. Mm -hmm. Now, when you when you over, when you go on the, over the hills and through the woods, so grandmother's house we go. So when you go on vacation <laughs> or on a trip. Something you don't get to take with you is your Nintendo. Unless you're me, and then I take mine. Well, my mom won't let me take my Nintendo. I'm surprised you <laughs> did anyway, because you took your Game Boy to school. I took my Game Boy with me. Don't get me wrong. I took my Game Boy with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't bring my NES with me. Okay. So she goes, she goes, oh, just shut up. You're going to visit, and Grandma has video games anyway. In my head, it was like Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Grandma has video games? <laughs> So we get so we get to her house. Yeah, and I go. So, so where's the video games? Where's the, like not, not even hello, grandma. Where's the video games? Where's the video games? She goes. Oh, they're in my room. And I go into her room, and there's a, t a classic CRT TV mm -hmm. and an Atari. Twenty six hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I'm my like gr my grandma had one too. <laughs> and I'm like, the hell is this? Mm. And I popped, you know, she, she had some games there. Um, and she had Pitfall, not the game I'm talking about here, the retro game revive, but still a retro game in general. So I pit Pitfall for the for the, uh, the Atari, and I'm playing it, and this game is hard as hell. Pitfall is very hard. But I'll, I'll never forget that. Da -da 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 -da. Okay. Oh, so anyway, so I'm playing Pitfall, play Pitfall. <laughs> uh, my, aunt, my Aunt Sue comes over. Uh, she's a little older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she goes, oh yeah, here's the rest of the games. She shows me, and she opens up a thing, and it's like a whole big stack of games. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and we play bowling on the... Uh, okay. Uh, on the, not the game I'm talking about, but still, we're playing. I'm having some fun. Everyone leaves. They're all outside having fun, like you're supposed to be doing in the summer. Sure. Who does and that? I not me. I don't, I, find, I don't go outside in general. And I find, that, I find this game, and it is the greatest game for all the Atari land... Uh, on a movie that I actually kind of like. E.T. You're gosh darn right. <laughs> the game that's buried, well, it was buried in the, in the New Mexico desert. Yes, it is. Uh, so I started playing E.T. And I kind of remember liking the game. I'm not surprised. You you you, you seem like no, 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 it's not a good game. Look, trust me. No, I know it's not a good game, but you like bad games. You, you talked about one a couple weeks ago, Bart Simpson versus the Crap. That was a great it was Escape from Camp Krusty, and it was a good game. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a great game, but it's a good game. Well, anyway, so I'm playing E.T., and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Of course. I just know that, I know that I'm collecting Reese's Pieces, and after a while, I get a piece of a telephone. Eventually, I call home, and I fly away. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the plot of the movie. 
Pretty much, but the game <laughs> for the uninitiated, sure. As Brian says, it was made to coincide with the movie. Of course. So, so it was actually it was rushed out as a it's 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 a, it's a garbage game. Yeah, it's it, absolutely. It, it, it was the anthem of 2018. Yeah, not based, <laughs> not based on a movie, but rushed out. Yeah, uh, he had uh, the guy who created the game, uh, Warshaw, uh, Howard Warshaw, mm-hmm. had five and a half weeks to make this game. And it looks like it's took about five and a half weeks to make. Yeah, it's 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 not gorgeous or pretty by any means. It's a couple pixels here and there, and that's it's, it. On top of that, um, it's it's you have three lives, and it's a high score kind of game. So even if, even when you beat the game, when you do what you have to do, you just restart, and it just it just restarts again, and, and all the pieces just move over the the map. So there's no actual beating this game. Yeah, ET never gets to go home. He, he does. He does. He goes home and then right back to Earth. But he, come, he comes right back. It's like I say, he he never actually gets to be home. Poor guy. But this game was now he's over- in the buried under the sand. They overproduced the hell out of this game. So as Brian said, um, that there was a le- urban legend that millions of unsold cartridges were actually buried in the uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico landfill. Mm-hmm. Urban uh, legend no more. Urban legend no more. In fact. Uh, it's, there's documentaries on it. It's even featured in the uh, Angry Video Game uh, Nerd movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it will not be an urban. It will not be an urban legend we explore for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because it's it's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, but the game, it, it's it's just so it's bad. I I, I remember being good. Like it's I said, definitely bad. <laughs> I, yeah, I was. It's, be, it's better I, than Big Rig Truckers. Let's get let's be honest. I, I was like five or six years old. Sure. Uh, so with me and seven. So to me, just being able to play a game on vacation at grandma's house was, was cool. Um, I remember, honestly, every other game that she had was better than this one. Sure. But, but just the fact that hey, this is ET, I'm playing ET. Oh, look at Reese's Pieces. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope, would you, like, I hope you sounded just like that. Probably. Um, I would love to, you know, try to get back that original copy of it. My grandma just passed uh, this October, so... Yeah, it sucks. Or, 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 or July, I'm sorry. July. So I would love to get the original copy just to have it and keep it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Just because there's a sentimental value to this game. Of course, of course. But not, not, not a game I ever want to play again. No. But, uh, but, but I would want to keep it on the shelf just to keep do the memory alive. That, do you think that uh, that it's still there? That someone still has that original cartridge? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure, but I could probably bug one of my aunts to help me or find someone it. Has, like, what about the even uh, the Atari 2600? I mean, is that... Pro- still pro- there? Probably still there, too. You should try to get... Uh, I should, because uh, one thing my family doesn't do is we don't throw things away. We're, 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 we're hoarders. Say, what is the actual scientific term of that for that? Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, she, she had so many cool games. I, I, I would say the nostalgic memories of that, and this is one of the few times where you didn't hear Nicole's name, but you heard her now. Uh, she, she, she didn't bug me to play this game. Took, 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 one, so took one, look at, one look at this and went right outside to play. She, she was the smarter sibling on this day. <laughs> she was and, also and, like... And every day. She, she, she was like two or three years old as well, so she, I think she's more preoccupied with getting ice cream. And that's why I retro game rewind. <laughs> but I, you know, I think this does take us to one of my favorite segments. Sure. All the history segments. It does. Good game, bad game. Good game, bad game. So, I picked... A real doozy of a bad game for you. Did you? Oh, yes. What do you got? I got a fighting game for you. I'm not surprised. I think that's not the first time you've had a fighting game either. Uh, a game that came out on the 3DO, the Super Nintendo, and the Sega Genesis. Okay. It's balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I mean, Balls Mahoney was not a bad wrestler. Yeah, uh, but Balls 3D was a absolute horror show of a game. <laughs> uh, it's a it's it's a fighting game where all the characters are created out of balls. balls. He's uh, got the biggest balls of them all. <laughs> so the game <laughs> has unresponsive controls. It is constantly having slowdowns as you play, mm-hmm. uh, especially the Super Nintendo version. The Genesis version is a little better. Okay. Which version uh, did you play? I played the Genesis version, but my I actually have played the Super Nintendo version since. Oh, okay. Uh, the graphics, they sucked. Of I mean, they did. They're balls. This game... This game came around at the same time as like Donkey Kong Country. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was like so mid nineties, right? Mid nineties. Ninety four. Ninety four. So, and the soundtrack, it was just, um, it was like a beep, 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 and a drum. That's it. Should we do so, that as a bonus episode for BG Mania? You know what? If you want to do balls, uh, well, you, of course you want to do balls. If you want to, if you want to talk from balls, I can definitely make that happen. Let's not, because I don't want to actually lose fans. Yeah. Um, now, the game boasted a huge roster of characters, but they all look the same. They're all just balls. Well, you can play as like, 3D. You know, you can play as like a clown, an ostrich, a rhino, all these things, but you're just different balls. And At least they're a different color, though, right? Sometimes. Are any of them ever blue? Yes, Brian. There are blue balls in this game. <laughs> Man, you picked it. You picked the stupid game. You're setting up all the jokes. I it's, I was hoping you'd get more more in there. Um, but <laughs> you sh- I should have known that this was trouble from the beginning mm-hmm. because this was made by Accolade. Mm-hmm. You sh- and, and Accolade happens to make another game that is quite ballsy. You knew it was trouble when it walked in? Shame on you. So shame on me now, yes. Yeah. Now I'm lying on the cold dark ground. Hey, hey, Yes, balls from the same publisher as Bubsy. Yeah, absolutely it is. Damn. <laughs> Come on, I didn't get anything right. You're not Rod Simmons. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, Damn. The, the AI, on top of everything else, the AI in this game it is so unfair. It's because the game has slowdowns. There's, it's not even predictive. It's like, it, it, oh, you hit this. I'm gonna stick you with that. And I like a challenge, but come on, bro. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's 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 it's easily the worst fighting game on the Super Nintendo. Even worse than the one you picked before. Which one was the one you picked before? Was it the uh, uh, the guy, the one with the fat guy? Uh. <laughs> Yes, worse than that. Tongue of the Fat Man. Yes, that one. Tongue of the Fat Man was more of a... It was a Genesis game. Oh, okay. I just remember it was a fighting game, was it not? It was a fighting game, but it was on Sega. This is the worst one in Super Nintendo. Okay. Hands hands down. Balls down. Okay. Balls down. Balls are always usually down, but balls down indeed. I'll stick with Accolade. Accolade did actually make a pretty decent game. They they have made a couple of good games. I swear games. to God, Brian, if you, if you do Bubsy, I'm going to end this episode right now. Uh, my, my good game this week is uh, Bubsy the Wooly Strike Back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but no, no, I'm not doing Bubsy. But Accolade has actually published 
a couple good games. Not a lot, but a couple. One of them was released back in 1997 on the original PlayStation, and it was the fourth entry in a series, and that happens to be Test Drive. Test Drive 4. Um, Test Drive 4 was probably the best Test Drive to actually... Well, it's probably the best game Accolade's ever done, to be honest. Uh, it was actually published by Electronic Arts over in Japan, which I think would eventually take over the series after Accolade, or after Accolade, but uh, Accolade still still published this game. It was developed by Pitbull Syndicate. Uh, it was released on PlayStation and, and obviously PC, like I said, September 30th, 1997. It got decent scores. Uh, game Revolution gave it a B, IGN gave it a 7 out of 10, OPM gave it a 3.5 out of 5, and, and PlayStation Magazine gave it a 4 out of 5. Like I said, it, it, it's not bad. It was generally well-received by critics and fans. Um, in fact, Test Drive 4 actually won the official E3 Best of Show Award for Best Racing Game of 1997 for, for that with that E3 that year, which is actually saying a lot because this is the, around the same time where Need for Speed was hitting its stride, uh, Gran Turismo was hitting its stride, Test Drive came out just a little bit before all of them, though, and, and managed to actually be a really good game. And it was it was a great racing game. I remember playing the crap out of Test Drive 4. I never owned Test Drive 4, but a uh, kid across the across the way, because in 1997, my mom and I lived in an apartment complex. Uh, so we were in one building. One of my best friends at the time lived in the building just across the across the driveway to us. So him and I, he like he would always come over. I, you know, I had I, I, he had the same stuff I did. He had a PlayStation and Nintendo 64. I had a PlayStation and a Nintendo 64. But we we always got like different games, which I thought was kind of neat. And that was never done intentionally. So, you know, where he he would get like the test drives, the Top Gear rallies, some a lot of the racing games. I would tend to get the Maddens on the N64. I would get the wrestling games. I would get some of the shooters. He would get some other things. He actually is the one that introduced me to the Gex franchise because he actually oh, had those. And I never, I never, I never even knew about that till I, I played them at his house. And I now own them all. So it, it was cool because I, I know I've talked about Top Gear Rally before on this podcast because I think Top Gear Rally, especially, I think it's two or three, is 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 is, is a personal favorite of mine when it comes to racing games. But uh, Test Drive Four is right up there with as being a pretty good game. Uh, it actually was re-released in, I forget, I think it was 98 or 99. Uh, PlayStation actually put out a Greatest Hits title, or Greatest Hits version of this game. So you actually know it actually did sell pretty well. Um, it's it's neat because the game follows the same path as all the others before it. It takes this player on a quest to win new tracks and vehicles. So instead of just putting you out there and racing against comp- uh, opponents and doing that kind of stuff, you actually have to unlock new tracks, unlock new vehicles, much in the same way that Gran Turismo now does things. Um, but this this one is the first time that you ever actually were able to go international with the challenge now spanning locales around the world, which I thought was kind of neat because it was one of the first times we ever got to explore other racetracks in other countries inside of a game uh, on the PlayStation or the Nintendo 64. It had 14 modern and classic street legal, ve- street legal vehicles, so they weren't putting anything that was illegal at the time in this game, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, covering a wide range of makes and styles. This this game was really cool because the PlayStation version also supported the System Link version, allow, allowing two players simultaneously to play at the same time without using split screen through kind of like the way that the DS had that cable, or not the DS, the uh, the GBA, the GBA with the link cables to do that kind of stuff. The PlayStation had a cable like that too, where you could connect two consoles together and have your own TVs, but you were still playing the same game in, in multiplayer. It was really cool. Uh, 
I got to do that once because I rented the game from the local family video or the lo- I think it was first row video at the time back in 97 and in, in, in where the, the town I lived. I went and rented a copy. Well, my friend had the cable. We, we linked up our, our systems with our TVs and stuff. It was, it was really neat. So it was the first time something like that was ever done. But uh, yeah, Accolade, obviously um, not known for making good games. Well, they don't make any games. They just publish games, but not known for publishing many good games. This one, though, I will give them a pass on. I think it actually is pretty good. So that's yeah. that's my good game this week. Yeah, unfortunately, Accolade uh, kind of went the way the, the, the dinosaurs. Of course they did. Yeah, they, they shut down a while ago, did they not? not uh, um, yeah, because they got sued by Sega. Of course. Do you remember? Do you, know, you have the year? Do you have the year? Uh, they were sued in 91. The okay. last time they, the last thing that they did uh, Accolade was 99. Okay, so two years after Test Drive, and I think that's right around the same time that EA picked up the license because I, I know that I'm pretty positive EA started p- publishing a lot of the Test Drives after that. Because Test Drive, I don't th- obviously there's no Test Drives anymore, but there were still some into the early 2000s. But Accolade themselves, the, the name of the, the company was actually sold in 2017 to uh, Billionsoft. Those are the ones who put out uh, the Wooly Shark back. Okay, and they're the ones that are going to revitalize the Bubsy franchise going forward. Look for right. look for Super Bubsy Odyssey coming next year, which is going to be pretty dang good. I'm waiting for Bubsy Breath of the Wild. <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, Bubsy of the Wild. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Bubsy of the Wild. Uh, you guys can Bubsy of the Wild Woolies. There you go. There you go. You guys can have that idea. You're welcome. Our gift from us to you. <laughs> yep. We're just doing what we can, man. Trying to keep the Bubsy, Bubsy name alive. But uh, all right. Well. <laughs> That sound means it's now time for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, looks like the uh, the campfire is starting to go here, and it's it's about to get spooky. I know you're a little chilly, but hopefully we'll get warmed I'm up. Scared. Around, we'll get warmed up around the campfire. So, if you missed it, obviously last week, Are You Afraid of the Dark is a weekly look at some urban legends and myths within video games. Uh, I'm gonna try to present things a little bit differently this time around. Uh, I'm I'm gonna try a couple different formats. I'm hoping to get feedback on all these. So hopefully. You know, it, it, whichever way you like it, reach out to us. Send us an email. You can reach me at brian at leveldowngames.com. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Reach out to us. Let us know which way you like this segment, and I'll keep doing it that way. But for now, I'm going to try a couple different ways, and if I don't get any feedback, I'm just going to see which one flows the best, and, and, we'll, and we'll go from there. But uh, So I did, a, I did some research. I started researching the Drowned Ben for Majora's Mask because I, I know you requested that last week. Um, I'm finding some good information on that, so I'm definitely going to have that one ready to go in a couple weeks. But I went with another I, for today's episode. I went with another one that didn't require a ton of time to put together. So let's get into it. Submitted for the approval of the Level Down Game Society. I call this one the Tale of the Swinging Shadow, and you might already have an idea of what it I is. Think I might based off of that title. So, and I'm obviously try with with the with the names. I'm trying not to give it away, but I'm still also it has to tie together. That's the whole point. But you're, it's gonna give it away as soon as I start talking about this. Released back on November 18th, 2001, as a launch title for the Nintendo GameCube, Luigi's Mansion was the first good game to star the other brother from the Mushroom Kingdom. With memorable gameplay mechanics, a decent story, and a pretty good soundtrack, many and although the 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 second one had a much better soundtrack, Dark Moon. It did. Many an hour were spent vacuuming up ghosts with the Poltergust 3000. I know what you're thinking. 
Just because Luigi's Mansion is set in a haunted house and full of ghosts, there must be something else going on here for it to be featured within Are You Afraid of the Dark? As it turns out, there absolutely is. Having been outshined by his brother Mario year after year since 1985, Luigi was driven insane. Insane that Mario gets all the fame. Insane that Mario gets all the fortune. Insane that Mario is a household name when Luigi is just that guy who wears green and can sometimes be seen on the same screen as Super Mario. He snapped. He finally had enough. While searching for his more popular brother inside this haunted house to try and save him, Luigi stopped to wonder exactly what he was doing. And then it hit him. He doesn't have to be doing this at all. So he took an alternative approach to attempt to hide his pain, one that would forever change his life, and in fact take his life, while changing the lives of every citizen within the Mushroom Kingdom. Today's urban legend is examining the idea that in the game Luigi's Mansion on the Nintendo GameCube, Luigi in fact commits suicide by hanging himself in one of the rooms. This particular legend all started when keen-eyed gamers noticed something creepy in the attic of the mansion. When all conditions align perfectly with lighting, this has to be perfect, like everything has to line up perfectly. So the lightning going off outside and Luigi being on the phone, a shadow is cast on the back wall that doesn't match what we're seeing on screen. Instead, the shadow is completely hovering off of the ground with what appears to be a noose tied around the neck and arms completely limp by his sides. Some gamers believe this is a glitch. Some believe that Nintendo did this on purpose to try and freak the player out and keep the creepy vibe that Luigi's Mansion already had going for it alive. After all, seeing something like that is a surefire way to keep the community guessing and talking year after, for years after release. Just look at us, it's 2018, 16 plus years since the game launched, it must have worked if this was intended. Some gamers even believe that Luigi has been dead the entire time, and the game is his way of moving through purgatory. So what's actually going on? It's 100% true that under the right conditions, we can see what appears to be a lifeless Luigi in the attic of the mansion, but only in shadow form. But is he actually dead? Did he really commit suicide? Upon closer examination of the shadow, we can start to see little details that may be missed when quickly observing this within the game or in a video on YouTube. The hand in the shadow looks a lot like the hose from the Poltergust 3000. Looking at the left portion of the shadow, we can even see a similar shape to the phone that Luigi is holding in the game, but only if you zoom in and actually look at it really closely. But why is the shadow off the ground that still has no answer? And why does it look like a noose is tied around his neck? Because that certainly doesn't line up with anything that we're seeing either. A user by the name of ASKA49 claims to have solved the mystery. He states that the lighting that is emitted from the lightning strike outside of the mansion is actually coming from wherever the end game camera is positioned at. So for example, if the end game camera is positioned straight on, Luigi's shadow won't even be hovering off the ground at all and will look perfectly normal on the back wall. If the in-game camera is slightly off to the side and below Luigi, which is where a lot of people park the camera, when the lightning strikes, you guessed it, the shadow cast on the wall appears to mimic where the in-game camera is at and the corresponding shadow appears to be hanging in midair. While we cannot say for sure one way or another, as this is just a theory presented by someone on YouTube, it certainly brings forward a number of questions that we ultimately do not have the answer for. But maybe, just maybe, we should all start taking Luigi a little more seriously and show him the proper respect he deserves, instead of just rocketing his popularity up the charts thanks to the Death Stare found in Mario Kart. He's more than the Death Stare. So <laughs> much more. Have you? Did you know about this one beforehand? 
I have heard of this. I've never actually done it in game, but I have heard of this. I, I, I actually went back and, 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 and mimicked this in game because, like I said, it, it is something that I want to do here for the segment is I want to try to recreate a lot of these as much as I can. And Were you able to pull it off? I was able to pull it off, yeah. It, it's actually really easy. And, and moving the camera, it, it does change the, the positioning of the shadow. So I obviously think this person here that, that submitted this theory on YouTube is, is dead on with, with how the lightning strikes outside. It definitely appears to be coming from wherever you actually position the camera, and that does have an effect on, obviously, the shadows. That's Because what, one of the cool things about the GameCube is that it definitely had some innovative types of shadowing. So you were able to do different things, and that's one of the things that Nintendo was showing off with Luigi's Mansion was the darkness and the shadowing. Um, so I, I do think he, he's pretty right on the money when, when it comes to that. But... Uh, yeah, that is my urban legend for this week. That was pretty creepy. That's, that's I like that. Yeah, so so like I said, that that is now the second rendition of, of how I envision this to go. This time, obviously, instead of just presenting facts and, and doing it for a little bit, I, I kind of told a story at first before getting into it. So I, And I, I feel like I like that one better. But again, I want feedback. Reach out to us. Leave us comments on the YouTube video down below. Leave us comments in the reviews on iTunes and Google Play. Like I said, you can reach out to me, Brian, at leveldowngames.com. Find me on Twitter at... at uh, you can find us at OriginalLDG or me at Brian underscore LDG, Brian.LDG on Instagram. Let me know what you think of Are You Afraid of the Dark, what you're actually thinking of these segments, some suggestions if you have them, and, and which format you prefer. I may have one or two more different formats to explore over the next week or two just to see if they work better, but I really like the way I did this one today, so, so we'll have to see. But uh, that is going to bring us to the end of this episode, unless you have anything else you wanted to discuss. I think we said it all this week. All right. Well, we want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to Max Level. If you're interested in supporting us here at Level Down Games so we can continue to do what we love and bring quality content to you on a daily basis. Remember that we have affiliate links in the descriptions for all of our podcasts on iTunes and Google Play, as well as the description box on all of our YouTube videos. We've got Amazon, Technisport Gaming Chairs, Origin PC, and Razer. Supporting us through any or all of those affiliate links means the absolute world to us. If you enjoyed what we had to say and are watching us on YouTube, like, share, and leave a comment down below. If you're listening on either iTunes or Google Play, remember to leave us a rating and a review if you haven't done so already. If you didn't like what we had to say, let us know that too. We always take the negative feedback alongside the positive. To stay up to date on all things Level Down Games, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow the main account over on Twitter at OriginalLDG. I'm at Brian underscore LDG. Frank is at the Frankosaurus. We're both on Instagram. I'm at Brian.LDG and Frank is at the Frankosaurus once again. We can be found on Facebook for general posts and information. And finally, over at Twitch.tv slash LevelDownGames for all of our live streams. Feel free to say hello when you drop on by. Doing all these things will ensure that you never miss an episode of Max Level, our video game podcast every Monday. Game Oracles, our video game trailer show every Tuesday. BG Mania, a video game music podcast every Wednesday. The Gorgeous Lads of Wrestling, a podcast dedicated to professional wrestling every Thursday. The Top 10 series every Friday. And Revisiting the Classics, our weekly trip back to the past to play some retro games every Saturday. Plus, you'll have access to all of our video reviews, unboxings, Let's Plays, reaction videos, and so much more. Of course, all this is also found on our main home on the internet, and hopefully yours as well, leveldowngames.com. Until next week, keep gaining experience until you reach max level. Oh, oh, oh.